I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, thanks for coming to listen to Leaves of Glen, where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to read the Blue Fairy book, uh, again, by Andrew Lang. Uh, it is the first out of 25 books of collected fantasy stories gathered from all over the world. So, as always, there's nothing to say about Andrew Lang. He was a pretty boring person, and he made his wife do all the work. So, as always, I fretted over it. Like a, like an old grandmother. Fussing about the house. Wondering what I'm going to say on this episode. Uh, about, uh, for the, for the about this author section. And I actually said out loud, uh, Oh, what am I going to do? Which is how I pray. Uh, all people pray in all different sorts of ways. I pray by normally opening up the window and just shouting help as loud as I can. And that's a, it's a form of prayer and it, uh, it brings me comfort. This time I just stood at the kitchen sink with my face, uh, down close to the, the drain, just shouted, what am I going to do? And suddenly, uh, my old cat that I have, uh, one of my two surviving elderly cats, uh, well, the other one passed away. None of this is important. Uh, he came up to me and he said, uh, what are you reading? And I said, uh, I'm going to read the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was from the Blue Fairy book. And then my 22-year-old cat, Sixer, said, uh, Oh, I got facts about a boy. And I said, Does it have anything to do with uh, Andrew Lang? He said, Maybe. It's about the balloon boy, a phenomenon uh, that happened back in 2009. Uh, he said, You want to hear it? I said, All right. And he goes, Well, First, let me tell you about the balloon. It was created in unique shape. Uh, the homemade balloon resembled the shape and color of UFO. <laughs> and I looked at my cat, and I could see he was clearly on his phone, uh, and he was at factfile.org, which is horribly translated into English. Due to this event, the boy named Falcon was nicknamed as Balloon Boy. Uh... He said the balloon was flying for about an hour and it traveled crossing three counties for over 80 kilometer or 50 miles. Finally, the balloon landed 19 kilometer or 12 miles of Denver International Airport. Uh, it was a hoax uh, set up by the dad. The dad's name, Richard Heaney. Uh, you want to hear about him? And I said, oh, God. And I started shouting back into the sink again. What am I going to do? Hoping that God would answer me. Uh, but the cat kept talking. Richard Heaney was an amateur scientist and handyman. Actually, he wanted uh, he wanted to an actor and comedian, <laughs> but he was not successful. In 1970s, he was interested to become a storm chaser. He married Miami Izuka, 
uh, the 12th of October, 1997, and the couple met at an acting school in Hollywood. Both had three sons, Ryo, Bradford, and Falcon. Wife Swap was a TV reality show which featured the Heenies. Uh, get facts about air balloons here, he said out loud. Then he turned off his phone, uh, first wiping away all the tabs on the browser. He likes to keep a clean browser on his phone. It's like a lot of tabs open. And then he eyed me suspiciously. And then, uh, then he asked me if I wanted to live deliciously, which is weird. I said, yes, obviously. Uh, and things have been kind of crazy ever since. Which would make sense since uh, today is Friday the 13th. So this episode is a special Friday the 13th episode. Which is uh, spooky? I don't know. So I picked out this story uh, about the boy who learned fear. Because it seems like it should be creepy. It's not really Halloween. I have a tough time wrapping my mind around Friday the 13th. But it's a eerie day. What is the point of Friday the 13th? Well, in either case. Uh, so this is a special episode I'm putting out tonight. Releasing early uh, just to mark the occasion. So let's dive into the story. The Tale of a Youth Who Set Out to Learn What Fear Was. Uh, originally gathered from the Brothers Grimm. A father had two sons, of whom the eldest was uh, clever and bright. Ah, and always knew uh, what he was about. He always knew what he was about, but the youngest was stupid. Ah, couldn't learn or understand anything. So much so that those who saw him exclaimed, Ah, what a burden he'll be to his father. Now, when there was anything to be done, the eldest always had to do it. But if something was required later or into the nighttime, Ed, was, was this written by the factfile.org site? Because it's kind of coming off as horribly translated. And the way led through the churchyard or some such ghostly place. He always replied, oh, uh, no, father, nothing will induce me uh, to go there. Oh, it makes me shudder. For he was afraid, or when they sat at an evening around the fire telling stories which made one's flesh creep. Ah, the listener sometimes said, oh, oh, it makes one shudder. Burp, the youngest, sat in a corner, heard the exclamation, and could not understand what it meant. And they were always saying it. It makes one shudder. It makes one shudder. Nothing makes me shudder. That's probably a, an art quite beyond me. Well, now it happened that his father uh, said to him one day, uh, Harkin, you, there in the corner. <laughs> you are growing big and shut. I just love that he's just like sitting in the corner facing the wall. And the father's like, ah, Harkin, you, there in the corner. Uh, you're growing up big and strong. And uh, you must learn to earn your own bread. He probably means cash. Look at your brother. Yeah, what pains he takes. But all the money I've spent on your education is thrown away. Ah, my dear father, he replied, I will gladly learn. In fact, if it were possible, eh, I should like to I should like to learn to shudder. Nah, I don't hesitate that a, a bit yet. Uh, the eldest laughed when he heard this and thought to himself, Ah, good heavens. Yeah, what a what a ninny my brother is. Now he'll never come to any good. Uh, as the twig is bent, so is the tree inclined. <laughs> now the father sighed and answered him, Ah, soon you'll learn to shudder. 
Oh, but that won't help you make a living. Yeah, shortly after this, uh, when the sexton came to pay them a visit, the father broke out unto him and told him uh, what a bad hand his youngest son was at everything. Uh, he knew nothing and learned nothing. Only think, when I asked him how he proposed gaining a livelihood, he actually asked uh, to be taught to shudder. This is a really weird term they keep throwing around. Like, fear? I guess. It's obviously what it's supposed to mean. But why doesn't they just say, like, he wants to learn fear? Oh, that's what he wants, said the sexton. Ah, I can teach him that. Uh, you just send it to me. Well, this isn't going in a good direction. It's kind of gross. I'll soon polish him up. Yeah, this is not in a good... This is bad. The father ah, was quite pleased with the proposal because he thought eh, he had a good discipline for the youth. Uh, so the sexton took him uh, into his house and his duty was to toll the bell. Well, none of this sounds good. <laughs> After a few days, he woke him at midnight and bade him rise and climb to the tower and toll. Now, my friend, I'll teach you to shudder. Well, probably not because he knows he's going to play a prank on him. Uh, thought he, oh, he didn't say it out loud. He stole forth secretly in front, and when the youth was up above and had turned round to grasp the bell rope, he saw, standing opposite the hole of the belfry, a white figure. Eh, uh, who's there? He called out, but the figure gave no answer, and neither stirred nor moved. Uh, answer, cried the youth, or be gone, you have no business here at this hour of night. Ah, but the sexton remained motionless, so that the youth might think, uh, eh, might think he was a ghost. Now the youth called out the second time, eh, What do you want here? Speak if you're an honest fellow, or I'll knock you down the stairs. Oh, the sexton thought, yeah, he can't mean that in earnest, and gave forth no sound, and stood as though, uh, as though he were made of stone. Then the youth shouted to him uh, the third time, and uh, as that too had no effect, he, he made a dash at the specter and knocked it down the stairs so that it fell about uh, about ten steps It remained lying in the corner. Whereupon he told the bell, went home to bed without saying a word, and uh, fell asleep. Oh, well, now I know what the guy's problem is. It's not that he doesn't know how to shudder. He's just a, just a sociopath. He doesn't have feelings for anything. The sexton's wife uh, waited a long time for her husband, but he never appeared. At last, she became anxious and woke the youth and asked, Eh, uh, don't you know where my husband is? He went up to the tower in front of you. No, answered the youth. Uh, but someone stood on the stairs up there, just uh, opposite the trap door uh, in the belfry. And because he wouldn't answer me or go away, I took him for a rogue and uh, knocked him down. Uh, you better go and see if it was he. I should be much distressed if it were. Uh, the wife ran and found her husband, who was lying groaning in a corner with his leg broken. He carried him down and, and then hurried with loud protestations to the youth's father. Yeah, yeah, your son has been the cause of a, a pretty misfortune, she cried. Yeah, he threw my husband downstairs. It's they broke his leg. Take the good-for-nothing wretch out of our house. Oh, the father was horrified and hurried to the youth and gave him a, a, gave him a scolding. Yeah, why not holy pranks of these? The evil one must have uh, put them into your head. Uh, father, he replied, only, only listen to me. I'm quite guiltless. Yeah, he stood there in the night like uh, one who meant harm. Now, I didn't know who it was and, and warned him three times. Uh, speak or be gone. Oh, groaned the father, you'll bring me nothing but misfortune. Get out of my sight. I won't have anything more to do with you. 
Uh, yes, father, willingly, only wait till daylight, and then I'll set out and learn to shudder. Uh, and in that way, I shall be master of an art which will gain me a living. Yeah, learn what you will, said the father. It's all one to me. Here are uh, fifty dollars for you. Uh, set forth into the wide world with them. But see, you tell no one where you came from or who your father is, for I'm ashamed of you. Uh, yes, father, whatever you wish. And, and if that's all you ask, I can easily keep it in mind. Well, when day broke, the youth put the $50 in his pocket and set out on the hard high road and kept uh, uh, muttering to himself, eh, eh, if only I could shudder, if only I could shudder. Just at this moment, now a man came by who heard the youth speaking to himself, and when they had gone on a bit and were in sight of the gallows, the man said to him, ah, look there, ah, there's a, a tree where seven people have been hanged. Must be a huge tree. And are uh, now learning to fly. <laughs> Sit down under it and wait till nightfall, and then you'll pretty soon learn to shudder. That's all I have to do, answered the youth. It's easily done. But if I learn to shudder, oh, so quickly, then you'll have uh, my $50. Just come back uh, to me tomorrow morning, early. Then the youth went to the gallows tree and sat down underneath it and uh, uh, waited for evening. And because he felt cold, uh, he lit himself a fire. But at midnight, it got so chill that in spite of the fire, he uh, couldn't keep warm. And as the wind blew, the corpses once they blew the corpses one against the other, tossing them eh, to and fro, he thought to himself, ah, if you're perishing down here by the fire, how those poor things up there must be uh, shaking and shivering. And because he had a eh, the tender heart, he put up a ladder, which he climbed and hooded one body after the other, and took down all seven. Then he stirred the fire, blew it up, and placed them all around in a circle, that they might warm themselves again a sociopath or a psychopath, whatever. I, I kind of don't really know what the difference is, but this is a person that just doesn't get it. But they sat there and did not move because they're dead, and the fire caught their clothes. Oh, gross. Then he spoke, yeah, take care or I'll hang you up again. Yeah, but the dead men did not hear or let their rags go on burning, and then he got angry and said, well, if you aren't careful yourselves, then I can't help you, and I don't mean to burn with you. And then he hung, him, uh, hung them up again in a row. And then he sat down at his fire and fell asleep. I'm just imagining all the germs on his hands. On the following morning, the man came to him and wishing to get his $50 said, ah, Now you know what it is to shudder. Now, he answered, How should I? Those fellows up there would never open their mouths. They were so stupid. Uh, they let their old tatters that they have on their bodies burn. When the man saw he wouldn't get his $50 that day and went off saying, Well, I'm blessed if I ever met such a person in my life before. Well, the youth went too on his way and began to murmur to himself, Ah, ah if I could only shudder. If I could only shudder. The carrier, who was walking behind him, heard these words and asked him, Hey, ah, who are you? I don't know, said the youth. Uh, where do you hail from? I don't know. Uh, who's your father? I mayn't say. Uh, what, are the, what are you constantly muttering to yourself? No, said the youth. Ah, I would give worlds ah, to shudder. Yeah, but no one can teach me. Stuff and nonsense, spoke the carrier. Come along with me and I shall uh, soon put that right. Well, the youth with the car uh, carrier and in the evening they reached an inn where they were to spend the night. Then, just as he was entering the room, he said again, uh, quite aloud, Oh, uh, if I could only shudder. 
If I could only shudder. Oh, the landlord who heard this laughed and said, eh, if that's what you're sighing for, oh, you should be given every opportunity here. Oh, hold your tongue, said the landlord's wife, as so many people have paid for their curiosity with their lives. If it were a thousand pities, if those beautiful eyes were never again to behold daylight. But the youth said, no matter how difficult, I insist on learning it. Why, that's what I've set out to do. He'd left landlord no peace till he uh, told him that in the neighborhood uh, stood a haunted castle. There, one could easily learn to shudder if only he kept watching it for three nights. Uh, The king had promised the man who had dared to do this thing his daughter as wife. And she was the most beautiful maiden uh, on the sun. They always are. There was also much treasure hid in the castle, uh, guarded by uh, evil spirits, which uh, would then uh, be free and was sufficient to make a poor man more than rich. Many had already gone in, but so far none had ever come out again. So the youth went to the king and spoke. If I were allowed, I should much like to watch for three nights in the castle. The king looked at him, and because he was pleased with him, he said, Nah. You can ask for three things, none of them living, and those you may take with you into the castle. Then he answered, Well, uh, I shall beg for a fire, uh, a returning lathe, uh, and a carving bench uh, with the knife attached. On the evening, oops, on the following day, the king had everything put into the castle. And when night drew on, the youth took up his position there, lit a fire uh, in one of the rooms, uh, placed the carving bench with the knife close to it, and sat himself down on the turning lathe. Oh, if I could only shudder, he said, but I shan't learn it here either. Toward midnight, uh, he wanted to make up the fire, and as he was blowing up a blaze, he heard a shriek from the corner. I'll mew how cold we are. "'You fools!' he cried. "'Why do you scream? "'If you are cold, come and sit by the fire and warm yourselves.' "'As he spoke, two huge black cats sprang fiercely forward and sat down. "'On each side... Is this like a Spanish cat? "'I should really look up what a Spanish cat is from a previous episode. Uh, "'One on each side of him and gazed wildly at him with their fiery eyes. "'After a time, when they had warmed themselves, they said, "'Friend, shall we... Uh, play a little game of cards? Eh, why not, he replied. But first, let me see your paws. And then they stretched out their claws. Ha, he said. Yeah, what long nails you've got. Wait a minute. I must first cut them off. Thereupon he seized them by the scruff of their necks, lifted them on the carving bench, and screwed down their paws firmly. After watching you narrowly, said he, I no longer feel any desire to play cards with you. Why? Just because they have claws? Cats have claws. And with these words, he struck them dead. Why? And threw them out into the water. (laughs) And when he had thus sent the two of them to their final rest and was again about to sit down by the fire, out of every nook and corner came forth black cats and black dogs with fiery chains and such swarms that they couldn't possibly get away from them. Uh, they yelled in the most ghastly manner. Uh, jumped up on his fire and scattered it all and, and tried to put it out. Oh, he looked down quietly for a time, but when it got beyond a joke, he seized his carving knife and called out, uh, Be off, you rabble brown! It let fly at them. Some of them fled away, and the others he struck dead and threw them out into the pond below. And when he returned, he blew up the sparks of the fire once more and warmed himself. 
And as he sat thus, his eyes refused to keep open any longer, and a desire to sleep eh, stole over him. And when he looked around and beheld in the corner a, uh, a large bed, Oh, the very thing, he said, and laid himself down in it. But when he wished to close his eyes, uh, the bed began to move by itself and ran all around the castle. Capital, <laughs> he said, only, uh, only a little quicker. Then the bed sped on as if drawn by six horses, over thresholds and stairs and up this way and down that, and all of a sudden crash, crash, with a bound it turned over upside down and it lay like a mountain on top of him. Yeah, but he tossed the blankets and pillows in the air, emerged from underneath, and uh, said, Now anyone who has the fancy for it uh, may go a, dri- a drive. Lay down at his fire and slept till daylight, and in the morning the king came, and when he beheld him lying on the ground, uh, he imagined the ghosts had been too much for him, and, uh, and that he was dead. Then he said, uh, Ah, what a pity, and such a fine fellow he was. And the youth heard this, got up and said, Ah, it's not come to that yet. Oh, then the king was astonished, uh, but very glad, and asked how it had fared with him. Yeah, first rate, he answered, and now I've survived the one night. I shall get through the other two also. Now the landlord, when he went to him, opened his eyes wide and said, Well, I never thought to see you alive again. Have you have you learned now uh, what shuddering is? No, he replied. It's quite hopeless. If someone could only tell me how to... The second night, I went up again to the old castle, sat down at the fire, and began his old refrain. Oh, if only I had shudder as midnight approached. A noise and din broke out, at first gentle, but gradually increasing. Then all was quiet for a minute, and at length, uh, with a loud scream, half of a man dropped down the chimney and fell before him. Die high up there, shouted he. There's another half wanted down here. That's not enough. Then the din commenced once more. Uh, there was a shrieking uh, and, and a yelling. And then the other half fell down. Uh, wait a bit, he said. I'll stir up the fire for you. When he had done this uh, and again looked around, uh, the two pieces had united, and a horrible eh, looking man sat on a seat. Uh, Come, said the youth. I didn't bargain for that. The seat is mine. Well, the man tried to shove him away, but the youth wouldn't allow it for a moment, and pushing him off by force, sat down in his place again. They're having a fight over a seat. Then more men dropped down. Oh, great. One after another, who, fetching nine skeleton legs and uh, two skulls, put them up and played nine pins with them. Yeah, that sounds cute. Kind of fun. Sort of like a little Disney movie kind of thing. But the youth thought he would like to play, too. And uh, he said, Look here. Do you mind my joining the game? Uh, no, not if you have money. I've uh, money enough, he replied. Uh, but your balls aren't round enough. <laughs> but then he took the skulls, placed them on his lathe, and turned them until they were round. Now they'll roll along better, said he, and hoopla, <laughs> now the fun begins. Uh, he played with them and lost some of his money, but then twelve struck everything vanished before his eyes. Uh, he laid down and slept peacefully. The next morning, the king came, anxious for news. Uh, "'How have you got on this time?' he asked. "'Oh, I played nine pins,' he answered, uh, and lost a few pence. Uh, "'Didn't you shudder then?' Ah, "'No such luck,' said he. "'I made myself merry. "'Oh, if I only knew what it was to, uh, to shudder.' "'On the third night, he sat down again on his bench, 
and said in the most desponding way, If only I could shudder. When it got late, six big men came in carrying a coffin. Uh, then he cried, Ha-ha! <laughs> he said literally, Ha-ha! That's the most likely my little cousin, who only died a few days ago. Wait, what? You've been at the castle for a few days. And beckoning with his finger, like, how do you get the news if you're not even in town to know about your cousin? And beckoning with his finger, he called out, eh, Come, my small cousin, come. Well, they placed the coffin on the ground, and he approached it and took off the cover. In it lay a dead man. He felt his face. It was cold as ice. Wait, he said. I'll heat you up a bit. He went to the fire, warmed his hand, and laid it on the man's face. But the dead remained cold. Then he lifted him out, sat him down by the fire. Very fire-focused. Everything's about the fire with this guy. Laid him on his knee and rubbed his arms uh, that the blood should circulate again. When that, too, had no effect, it occurred to him that if two people lay together in bed, oh, jeez, and warmed each other, so he put him in the bed, covered him up, and lay down beside him. After a time, the corpse became eh, warm and began to move. That's not how that works. Then the youth said, Now, my little cousin, what would have happened if I hadn't warmed you? But the dead man rose up and cried out, uh, Now I'll strangle you. Yeah, what? said he. Is this all the thanks I get? Uh, you should be put straight back in your coffin. Lifted him up, threw him in, and closed the lid. When the six men came and carried him out again, I simply can't shudder, he said, and it's clear I shan't learn it in a lifetime here. This abandoned home that he's in, why are six men just bringing a coffin and dropping it off then come back later to get it? There's... So many questions. Also, why was there a living bet? I'm not. We'll save that for the end of the show. Then a man entered, uh, one more than ordinary size. They're all big and a very fearful appearance. Uh, but he was old and had a white beard. Ah, yeah, miserable creature. Now you will soon know what it is to shudder. He cried, for you must die. Yeah, not so quickly, answered the youth. If I'm to to die, hey, you must catch me first. I shall soon lay hold of you, spoke the monster. This is sounding also inappropriate. Gently, gently, don't boast too much. I'm as strong as you and stronger too. We'll soon see, said the old man. And if you are stronger than I, uh, then I'll let you off. Come, let's have a try. Are they going to start wrestling? Uh, Then he led him through some dark passages to a fjord, and, and grasping an axe, he drove one of the anvils with a blow into the earth. Oh, I can do better than that, cried the youth and went to the other anvil. The old man drew near him in order to watch closely, and his beard uh, hung right down. The youth uh, seized the axe, cleft the anvil open, and jammed in the old man's beard. Now I have you, said the youth. This time it's your turn to die. Then he seized an iron rod and belabored the old man till he, whimpering, uh, begged him to leave off and he would give him a great riches. Oh, the youth drew out the axe and let him go, and the old man led him back to the castle and showed him in a cellar three chests of gold. Now, one of these, said he, belongs to the poor, one to the king, and the third is yours. That was nice of him. At that moment, twelve struck, and the spirit vanished, leaving the youth alone in the dark. I'll surely be able to find a way out, said he, groping about at length. He uh, found his way back to the room and fell asleep at his fire. The next morning, yeah, the king came and said, Well, 
Now you've surely learned to shudder. No, he answered. Yeah, what can it be? My dead cousin was here. Was it really his dead cousin for sure? And an old bearded man came, who showed me heaps of money uh, down below there. Uh, but what shuddering is, no one has told me. Then the king spoke. Uh, you have freed the castle from its curse, and you shall marry my daughter. Uh, that's all charming, he said, but I still don't know what it is to shudder. When the gold is brought up and the wedding was celebrated with the young king, though he loved his wife dearly and though uh, he was very happy, still kept on saying, Oh, yeah, if only I could shudder, if only I could shudder. At last he reduced her to despair. Then her maid said, ah, I'll help you. Uh, we'll soon make him shudder. So she went out to the stream that flowed through the garden and had a pail full of little gudgeons brought to her. Uh, at night... When the young king was asleep, his wife had to pull the clothes off him, weird, and pour the pail full of little gudgeons over him. What's a gudgeon? Looking it up on the Kindle. A small, edible European freshwater fish, often used as bait by anglers. So that the little fish swam all about him. Then he awoke and cried out, Oh, how I shudder, how I shudder. Dear wife, yes, now I know what shuddering is. Well, it's the end of the story. Well, what did we... What happened in this mess? Oh, hold on a sec. My friend Matt is texting me. Oh, Matt's making fun of the fact that uh, on my blog, I have bots that are uh, liking all my stuff. Well, that's what friendships are all about. Uh, a boy who doesn't feel fear, or any other feeling for that fact. It doesn't seem like he feels joy. He married a princess and everything. Didn't, they didn't really talk about how he was real happy about it. Uh, just kind of obsessed over how he can't feel fear. Uh, he got spooked by a neighbor who he pushed down the stairs. His answers always seem to be violence. And then he goes to a castle... And everything's about fire. Uh, then he goes to see hanging men in the gallows and doesn't understand they're dead. He doesn't seem to understand what death is about because he can't uh, feel feelings for people in general. So if they're dead, there's no different than a lot of living people for him. So he tries to warm up. They start on fire. He hangs them back up again. That's a lot of touching of corpses. And then uh, goes to a haunted castle where the king says, oh, if you can stay there for three nights and get the gold, then you can have my daughter, which sucks for the daughter. Uh, and then... Because, you know, she doesn't really have much of a say or has any part in the story. Uh, and then he sits in there, and uh, one night, uh, cats want to get warmed by this fire. He's always obsessed with starting a fire everywhere he goes. Uh, and then, for no reason, kills them when he says, Oh, you want to play cards? And they say, Sure. Then he goes, Oh, let me see your paws. Oh, you got claws. And then kills them. No real reason. And, of course, all the... Cat's friends come out and throw a fit, and he kills a bunch of them. And that's, so that's weird. And then he uh, gets out of bed that runs around. That was weird. It made no sense. And then he, uh, like, I guess he conquers the bed and continues sleeping in it for the other couple nights. And then a bunch of, I guess, more corpses uh, come down the chimney. Uh, then there's a. A bunch of guys just drop off a casket with a dead body in it for no reason. I guess this castle's where they temporarily store dead people. I don't know. 
He's obsessed that it's his cousin. I don't know where that came from. And how would he get the news that his cousin's dead two days prior when he's been on the road for a few days? Uh, he's able to bring a dead man back to life simply by warming it and then laying in bed with it, which is gross. And then... Uh, and it shuts it back up in the coffin, essentially, I guess, killing it again. And none of it makes any sense. And then when he finally learns fear, or shuddering, as they keep saying in this story, it's because his new wife, who probably resents him and her father, uh, gets a bucket of cold fish and throws it at him. So did he learn to shudder? Is that like a joke? I guess it's like a, a punchline at the end of this, is that... He learns to shudder because he's physically cold since he's obsessed with fire all the time. I don't know. None of that made any sense. Uh, what's good about it? Eh, I guess the bed? Because it reminded me of bed knobs and broomsticks. Which reminds me of Angela Lansbury, who I used to watch on the show Murder, She Wrote when I was a kid and my mom always had it on TV. I used to think, boy, she's old. And then, when I was in elementary school, they sat us all down, all the whole school, in the, uh, in the gym. I don't know why, either. Looking back on this, I don't know why they did. Just randomly, the whole school had to sit down at the gym, all of us sitting on the floor, no chairs. Uh, so your butt bones hurt. And we had a big screen up there, and we watched bed doms and broomsticks. And for some reason, I enjoyed it. I've watched it since I've become an adult and thought... Uh, it's the most nonsensical and boring thing I've ever watched in my life. But Angela Lansbury's in that. And she's old in that. And that movie was made before Murder, She Wrote. And recently, I was on Reddit, and I saw a picture of Angela Lansbury uh, from, like, the 1940s. So she was a real young, uh, young little lady. And she looked old then, too. So, kind of weird. I mean, she was attractive and old. It was very eerie. It's like a hot grandma. If you took all the wrinkles out and just smoothed the skin. Like if you photoshopped the wrinkles off of an old person's face. It's just odd. Uh, what sucks? Eh, the story. What do we learn? No idea. I guess we learn that sociopaths don't feel. Uh, they can't feel fear or anything else. And if a sociopath ever pisses you off, personally, like the daughter you had experienced, uh, throw cold water and uh, cold fish on them, just because you don't like them. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening to uh, my special Friday the 13th uh, edition of uh, Leaves of Glen. I hope it was... Uh, Friday the 13th isn't really like Halloween, it's not spooky. I guess just it's supposed to be bad luck, so I hope this episode was bad lucky enough for you. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe. That's a YouTube thing. Like and review. Go and like and review uh, this podcast. And go to the website, nuzzlehouse.com. If you're a, a weird fetishist and you want to hear more, uh, we have all the episodes up there, blah, blah, blah. But you can also reach out and say hi. There's a little email link on the side, and yeah, that's about it. Okay, well, on to the next episode. <laughs>